Okay. Well, the real truth is everyone needs to just go home right now. Because what is the point of me getting up here after that, right? So awesome. They did such a great job. Let's hear it again for the, the whole... Um, Monica and, and, and Mark and um, uh, Karen, also known as Vanna, Karen Vanna White Jensen, doing all the stuff down here. So she did a great job. So um, thank you, thank you for every, all the leaders that have been helping with that. Those kids are phenomenal. It's great. Um, you know, we at the mission, we, we don't just fill in the, the our, our bulletin with space and r- random words. We do say every, every member has a mission, and we really truly mean that. Um, and and I, I would love to see more and more kids. Uh, young, uh, you know, older people just coming and, and being a part, doing things here at our church. Um, as God has called them, uh, He's called us to allow anybody and everybody um, that has Jesus at the core of their life to really just run and, and do whatever God is calling them to do, whether it be announcements, coming up here singing, uh, all those fun things. It's just an awesome time. And as a, um, a pastor, a reverend in the CMA, and just. In the church, I love to see people doing these things. I love to see people doing these, especially the kids, because it's just fun, isn't it? That's, our, that's the next generation, and um, I love it. I'm not afraid at all of having that new generation coming up, especially as we train them up in and, and the way that they should go. Um, I've had the privilege of the last couple of weeks, we've been doing um, this whole series called Missing Pieces. And uh, if you're new here, thank you for coming. We're glad you're here. We do have Connect cards, and we'd love to get a hold of you and um, send you about 300 uh, letters of... of, um, No, I'm just kidding. It's not what we want to do. We don't want to send you a bunch of junk mail, but we just want to get to know who you are and stuff. So when we have these new series and different things, we can uh, can let you know about it. But... um, Bottom line, we, we just have this awesome time uh, in, in the calendar called Advent. And Advent, in its essence, it just means um, um, the coming or, or, or the arrival. And the idea of Advent is to take that time in our calendars, in our lives, in our whole situation, where we sit and we wait and we take that pause as we think about the coming of God's kingdom. We think about the coming of of Christmas, really, and we have the baby Jesus who shows up in the craziest of circumstances. You know what I'm talking about? I think Jason really hit the nail on the head when he was talking about um, Mary and, and Joseph and that whole situation where she's pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit and she's got to go back home and be like, yeah, this is what happened. I, I, that's just crazy. It, it's, it's just nuts when you really think about how God invades this world in a big way. And I think we can, all, we can all say with a surety that we need that. Because like me, you probably have missing pieces in your life. You know what I'm talking about? You, you have areas of your life that, again, I, I alluded to this before. In fact, here we go, right here. Good example. Good example. Mark, Mark Ashley's going, no, don't point it out. But look at this, it's about to fall. It's just, that's, but I love that. I do. It's intentional now. It wasn't before, but it's intentional now. And, and the reason for that is because this is what happens in our life. And how many of us run around, oh no, it's falling down, we'll put that back up. And What's oh, falling down? Oh, I caught it. And maybe, oh, I didn't catch that one. I'm trying, you know, and we're holding all these things. And Christmas is unfortunately many, many times a reminder of these pieces that we're missing in our life. You know what I mean? Um, and, 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 and Jesus didn't come to just give us more stuff. More uh, 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 regulations and, and more things to hold and more things to, to take care of so that we, we lose it. God doesn't, didn't come to give us a burden. He came 
to be our burden bearer. And, and that's what Advent's all about. We've been looking at these missing pieces that Jesus brings back into our life as he holds them up. And that first piece that we looked at was hope. Because it truly is all about this Christ, this Messiah, this Jesus that came as a little baby, a helpless baby. Why? So that we might have hope as he showed us the way to God, as he is our way, our savior to the king of kings, the prince of peace, everything we want, long for and need for. Uh, the, the second piece was, was look, we looked at was love. God sent his son so that we might have the love we have searched for our whole life to explore for ways to share this love in our life, to embrace those who are broken and to enter into the hurting world around us. Today we want to look at that third missing piece and as Jason so um, said before, just the, the, the piece of joy, that piece of joy. And many of us miss this piece. We misunderstand this piece, don't we? I mean, how many of you are like, I want joy? I mean, if I were to raise you, everybody here would be like, I want joy. I, I really do. But how many of us truly understand or hold on to it as we were meant to? And so today, our take-home truth is, truth is super simple. And it's just this. We don't want to miss out on the joy that Jesus brings. Amen? So in our church, just out of reverence of God's word, we like to stand as we read it. So stand with me as we look at Hebrews chapter 10. And, and this verse is, is great verse, and, and a part of you might be like, how does, this, how does this relate to joy? Don't worry, we'll get to it, all right? But 11 through 22, the author of Hebrews starts out with this. He says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never fully take away sins. But when the priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he then sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. See, the, sac- the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. So therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have great priest over the house of God, let us draw near, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, you can, you can be seated. There's a lot going on here. And, and, and the problem a lot of times with Scripture is we forget that the Scripture at the time was written in a context and in a culture that we don't truly always understand. Some things are lost in translation. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to start off with a couple statistics, and hopefully this will help. Um, did you know that the average American will spend six months sitting at a red light? Stew on that one for a while. How many of you love sitting at red lights? Until we get the driverless car, I don't like it. When we get the driverless car, I'll be like, whatever, I'm reading my book. You know what I mean? Or I'm talking on the phone, doing whatever. But that's, what the, that's the truth. In fact, we will spend 38 hours every year. So that's almost a full work week of 40 hours a week. Every year sitting in traffic. 
And four years of our life will be sitting in a car going to and from work. So just take four years of your life and just resign to the fact it's you driving to and from work. We will spend 90% of our life indoors and most of that time will be spent sitting down. The average American spends almost 60 hours a week sitting. 60 hours a week sitting. We, most of us, when it comes to work, it's sitting down. It's sitting down. See, back in that day, 95% to, I mean, 99% really were standing up when they had to get somebody. I mean, the funny thing is we look at the, the donkey, you know, at, at, um, with Mary, and Mary was on a donkey as she was pregnant. She was walking down. That donkey probably wasn't theirs. Some gracious soul probably let them borrow that donkey because the donkey was like a Mercedes or a BMW or like the like rich person's thing, the way to travel back then. See, the average person had to use their own two feet to get from to, to and fro. So there was no sitting down to get somewhere. In fact, their work, like I said, a ton of them, agricultural, they had to work standing up. The only time you sat down was to rest, was to rest because you were done for your day, but you'd have to get up the next day and go back to work. See, This is why the author points this out when he says about Jesus. He says, but when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he then sat down at the right hand of God. See, this is something so profound. In fact, when I read that, you all, I'm I'm, going to give you one more last chance. All right, here we go. I'm going to read that. And at the end of that statement, I want you to react in awe. Okay? And like, like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Like a, you know what I mean? I'm going to do that again. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. There you go. <laughs> that would have been huge news. I mean, people reading it at that time were like, what? I mean, they would have taken a step and they would, well, hold on a second. I got to think about this one. What the heck's going on? But we just kind of take it for granted today. We just do. I do. Jesus did what no other priest could do. He finished the sacrifice once and for all, which brings us to this first part of joy that I want you to look at. If you're taking notes, it's simple. It's, Jesus brings us a complete Joy. Now, I've kind of tried to label everything here in C's so it's easier to remember. But the simple part is he completes joy. See, the priests in that day were never done. They would have continually been sacrificing. Sacrificing year-round the sins and transgressions of the people because it was an incomplete system. Look what the author says. He says, day after day, priest stands and performs his religious duties. Every day he's got to get up and, oh, I've got to do this again and I've got to do that again and I've got to get to work. I've got to do this because it's got to be done. I have to do it. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which the author says, which can never take away sins. See, the idea of that in, 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 the, in the Greek is not, not, not that it doesn't work, it's just it doesn't, it's not permanent. It's a temporary fix. You ever gotten a real bad wound? Some, some guys are this way. I know sometimes I, I can be this way. I get a wound, I'm like, oh, it'll get better. And my wife's like, your hand was just chopped off. Oh, it'll be fine. It's just a flesh wound. No, <laughs> let me get a Band-Aid. No, that's not going to work. You've got to take care of it. Doctors probably see this more. People come in because they didn't come in when they needed to. They just put this temporary thing on. Uh, this Band-Aid will work. No, it won't. You need to get it taken care of. Fully, permanently. And that's what the the priests were doing, was just this temporary fix. See, the truth is, that sacrifice wasn't complete. And we can have joy in Christ, and this is what the author is saying, which would make us take pause and make us just really be excited, because Christ, once and for all, completed the sacrifice for you and me. Now again, if you're taking notes, it's simple. Jesus 
why is this? Because Jesus' one-time sacrifice covers everything. It covers all our sin. See, many p- people believe the lies of the world around them. We believe the lies of the enemy. We believe the lies of our past and ignore the present of Jesus, which says he completes it. Jesus wouldn't have sat if it wasn't done. I remember a, a teenager I was working with. He was a great kid. Great kid. Loved him a lot. I mean, he was just a, a great kid. And um, he was one of those kids that would like get top ramen, not to eat it, but just to take the top ramen and be like, check this out. He'd go, he'd sniff it up and go in his nose and then we'd go like this. That's what teenage boys do. By the way, they're taking top ramen noodles and going in and out of their olfactory areas. And I'm just like, that is disgusting. But you're cool. Anyway, so, and I just remember this kid. He was a great kid. But man, this kid struggled. He struggled so much. Because the things that his dad had given him and done to him and, and just in his life, it was just this huge thing. And I remember sitting down with him and he could not forgive his dad. He just couldn't do it. He was like, my dad, I just, no. And in turn, he couldn't allow God to forgive him. To him, it wasn't complete. Every day he had to strive, he had to fight, he had to do whatever he had to do to make himself happy and complete in joy because he did not have that in what Jesus had already done. And it was so sad. And his life, unfortunately, became a testament to that bitterness and that anger. How about you? Do you know that Jesus covers everything? That he sat down are you still holding on to that past? And are you missing Jesus today and the joy that he brings? This is why the author, by the way, points out to two things. And I just want to point these out to you very quickly. First, simply, joy is continuing to be extended to all people. It's continuing to be extended to all people. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, he, the, the author just kind of brings up this random statement, which almost seems like, wait, why is he saying that? Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Anybody ever, ever said that? You know, you've had a really tough meeting at work and you're like, by the way, I'm just waiting for my enemies to be made a footstool. And everyone's like, amen, brother, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, no, no one there? No one's ever done? Okay, just checking. Yeah, it's kind of a random statement. Like, what's going on? Well, the interesting thing is, the author is quoting Psalm 110 which is a messianic psalm that talks about the future Messiah who is going to come eventually and make everything right to stop all the evil, to stop all the sin, to stop all the hurts and the brokenness and to make those who would go against God a footstool under his feet to complete and completely finish it off once and for all. The one that would reach the whole world with God's plan of redemption and grace. Not just the Jewish ones. Not just the nice ones, not just the pretty ones, not just the rich ones. All people. The truth is that God continues to extend his joy to all people through Jesus Christ. See, God has not forgotten about the world. All the evil and injustice that continues to dominate in our nightly news. He hasn't forgotten about it. See, mankind, since the beginning of time, has said no to God's plan. No to God's heart. No to the relationship that he wanted with us and to live out through us in the world around us. And mankind has said, no, I'm going to do it my way. And we've gotten our way, haven't we? 
I just got a thing in the mail from CAMA International. It's a Christian, uh, um, uh, well, shoot, I don't know the a- acronym, but it's, it's, the, it's basically the organization within the CMA that helps places around the world that have succumbed to just evil. They're working in Syria right now. In fact, one of our pastors in the CMA, it was on the news, his name was Mo- Moises, or Moses in, in, in how they say it in the African um, country. Uh, Moises, he, he was attacked and killed during the Ebola, Ebola outbreak uh, where he was at because he was just trying to bring bleach into the, the, the little village. And they were like, no, you're bringing Ebola, and they killed him. And Moises had five kids. And here he was just trying to do this. I mean, what a broken world we live in. It's so broken. And many times we, we blame God for this, don't we? We lift our hand to heaven and say, what have you done? And the truth is, we did it. We've rested the keys and given them to, to the enemy. This is why he waits to make his enemies a footstool. If I were to put it simply, he's giving us all time to respond to his reign. He's giving us to all of us, all people, good, bad, we're all, he's given us time to respond to his reign and reject our rule. This is the patience and the love of God. Have you ever wondered why he hasn't come to make things right yet? Why haven't you fixed this yet, God? Because he's waiting for all of mankind to have that opportunity to reject their own rule, to reject their own rule and respond to his reign. He is waiting and continuing to pour out his grace to all people before he puts his foot down on the back of Satan and crushes sin once and for all. See, joy comes in knowing that he is continuing to seek out your family, even the, the, the crazy ones that smell, the ones that drive you crazy, the ones that drive you nuts, the ones you're like, should we invite him? Should we invite her? They drive me crazy. See, God is still continuing to reach out to them. Joy comes in knowing that he is continuing to seek out the politicians and government people which seem to be out of control and self-serving. Joy comes in knowing that he is continuing to seek out those in our workplace that we struggle with and pray for. This is where joy comes in knowing that he's reaching all people and continuing in this, continuing to seek working on you to make you more and more like Jesus Christ in the world around you. Second, joy comes when we realize that I no longer have to compete for God's approval, for God's attention. Um, This is a big one. This is why the book of Hebrews was so ridiculously awesome in its day and why it should be awesome today as well. Because the message of Hebrews is truly, Jesus is such the better. He's the best. He's the missing piece we've all needed. And he brings this joy. He brings this love. He brings this hope. We no longer have to compete. We struggle with this. See, verse 14 says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are made holy. Uh, See, let me just put it this way. The mom who is continually trying to do it all and be it all for work, for her kids, and her marriage, and she's about to burn out any minute. I mean, she's burning the, the candle at both ends, the wick at both ends. She has to do to be the mom, the spouse, the worker, the everything that she thinks God wants her to be. Because let's be honest, she has to compete to be what God is, she thinks God is wanting her to be or what these people are wanting her to be. She has to do this. How about the man who tries to do all the do's and don't and tries not to do the don'ts 
and almost drops from exhaustion avoiding those things because it's what he needs to do so as to compete for God's approval and attention. All the missing, the, the whole point of Jesus. This is what's so great about the prodigal son. We love the prodigal son story, but we forget the older son who's outside working. He's outside working and, he's, and, and the father comes out and says, what are you doing? Come on into the party. It's complete. It's done. It's finished. You don't have to be out here slaving and working to get my attention, to get my love. Come on into the party. Let's have fun. And what does he say? No. I, I'm going to do what I need to do because and you didn't and you didn't. He has no joy. He has no joy. Because he's got to keep competing. Nothing steals joy quicker than when we get up and get to work for God so as to compete for his approval and his attention. See, the truth is, you already have it. You already have it. And real joy is knowing this. We just need to stop and sit down at Jesus' feet. This is why the author reminds us of this. He says in verse 15, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. See, the bottom line is that is the author is saying that this is internal. This is an internal truth, not an external thing. This isn't something you do. This is something that you can be apart from you, apart from anything you can do. You can't compete for something that Jesus will do inside. You just can't. The author is making a great theological point of position. Paul goes on to talk about this many, many times. He says he's made you more than conquerors, a whole new creation. It's nothing we can do. Because it's what God has already done inside us. And then he adds in verse 17, he says, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. You hear that? Sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. We don't have to keep up the pretenses. See, that's the thing that drives me crazy about church sometimes. I love church. I love the church. But have you ever felt like you have to be a certain way when you come to church? Like you can't be honest, you can't be real. You have to be like, well, how are things going? Great! And really, you just almost, you were within an inch of taking a knife and slitting your kid's throat. Uh, figuratively. Figuratively. Or, or your wife's been yelling at you because you did some bonehead thing, or, or you are yelling at your wife because of this, and, and you come in and everything's, well, how are you doing? Great! Everybody's got smiles, and the truth is they all want to kill each other. And the family pet better look out when you guys get home, because someone's got to get kicked. It's, I know, it's, <laughs> but that's the truth. A lot of times. And, 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 and you know... Life's tough, right? And, and, and life's broken, and we get cut, and we get hurt, and, and, and families, and, and jobs, and yet we come into church as if everything's grand. And we forget that we don't need to make that sacrifice. We don't have to try to be perfect and do this or do that. We just need to come to Jesus. We need to be honest. This is the truth, by the way, of every major religion out there. Every major religion. Every religion out there. There's really no such thing as grace. There's no such thing as you sit back and let God do it all. There's nothing you can do. This is only found in Christianity. This is what makes Christianity different than every other religion. Because every other religion says, you need to do this to get God to do that. 
You need to be this way and do it this way and do this three times or do that over there or be this to get God's approval. Every religion. And Christianity is so different, so ridiculous when you really think about it compared to every other religion that says you can do nothing. You've already got it. Quit competing. Quit trying to sacrifice. By the way, this is the definition of religion is competing for God's attention and approval. That's the whole point of religion. And Christianity comes along and says, it's not about this religion, it's not about trying, it's not about doing, it's about a relationship with Jesus. With the Savior, who did it all, and already has done it, and says, come sit with me. There's this great story, and I just want to take you to this story really quick before we finish up here. It's in the Gospels, and it's in the book of Luke, and it's just awesome. Because there, it starts out with, the, in this chapter is Jesus, he takes 72 of his peeps, you know, guys and girls, and he says, go out and tell them this good news. You, you know, go out and go and take two, you know, two by two, you're going to go out and you're going to tell them this good news of the Gospel, that there's nothing you can do, and that I've come to write all the wrongs. I've come to change people's lives. I've come to do what God has sent me to do and make that sacrifice that they can't make. This is what I'm here for. Go tell the people. And if they don't want to hear it, say thank you, you know, shuffle your feet, do your thing, go on to the next house. But let people know of this good news. And what's crazy is right after that, there's this random little story where Jesus shows up with some of his people and he's in Bethany, this little town called Bethany. And he goes into these, these people who have been following him for quite some time, some of these disciples, um, um, his family. Lazarus is the, is the brother, but, but the, the, the two women in the house were, were Martha and Mary. And, and he comes into their home, and you can just imagine, this place is packed. You know, this, the, he go, when Jesus went, everybody went, you know what I'm saying? Like, he just didn't go by himself. He had a hard time getting anywhere by himself, because people were like, there he is! And they would run to him and everything, you know, because he's Jesus! And he goes into this home, and I bet you there's, there's just tons. I mean, this home is packed. I mean, it's just packed. We're not talking fire code standards here, right? I mean, this is, there's no, I mean, they're in there. And, and Martha and Mary, they got Jesus in their home, and Martha is just like, oh, now I gotta do this, and I gotta do this, and I gotta do this. Why? Because culture in that day dictated, I must be hospitable. You see, in that day, the Old Testament had very specific laws that said, if there is a stranger, or if there is a, somebody who comes in to your town, you show hospitality. To those people that don't show hospitality, you take them out to, to, the, to the gates of the town, you pick up really sto- heavy stones, and you throw them at their head until they're dead. That's how serious that law was for being hospitable to people. And if people knocked on your door in the middle of the night, you let them in, and you gave them everything you, you could give them. Why? Because that's what God had said to do. And so here was Jesus and his people coming into their home, and this is an opportunity to get to work. Jesus is inside. Jesus is there. Let's... Let's do this. I got stuff to make. I got, and, and this is what she did, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think she's doing an awesome thing. We got to make food. We got to make drinks. Are you thirsty? Are you this? Let me clean this. Let me get to work. Let me do that. And then you got Mary, right? Who should be helping her. And what's Mary doing? She's just sitting. Oh, that's a big no-no. That's a huge no-no. That's a huge no-no. See, it says in verse 39 of Luke chapter 10, it says she had a sister called Mary who just sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. You see, it was her duty. She had to get up and work. And that was a huge no-no in the culture. It's the law. And you can just see Martha probably seeing this as she's busy and she's doing her stuff and she's, what, what's going on? You know what I mean? You ever seen that? You ever seen women fight? Isn't it interesting? 
See, this guy would get in there, just grab him and go, get in here. You know, <laughs> but she's just like, what is going on? I'm so angry. And she's doing her things. And, and Mary is just like, how dare she? She's not striving and competing and sacrificing like she needs to. What's wrong with her? And she gets to this point, by the way, in verse 40, it says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister is lazy? That's the underpinning point here, that she's a lazy bum. She's left me to do all the work by myself. I'm working, I'm striving, I'm doing what I got to do. And it's just, just, you know, you could feel the tension. So much so, did you catch that, what she said to Jesus? She goes to God, who's sitting in her house. Don't you care? Don't you care? See, God, I've been going to church for years now. I have faithfully given my time and worked hard to get my family here and brought my kids, but they are still walking away from you. They are struggling with addiction and suffering in ways that I can't help with. I did everything I was supposed to do. Don't you care? Don't you care, God? God, I prayed and I prayed for money to come. And instead, I was let go at work. They, they, they fired me and I've been the best worker they've got. I don't have two pennies to rub together because I've got holes in my pockets. And my kids, what are we going to eat? The creditors are calling and my credit score is non-existent. I mean, I tithed, I gave, I sacrificed, I competed, and this is what you give me. Don't you care? Jesus, I have given up so much to follow you and I'm alone. I have no friends. And I seriously think I might be worse off now than I was before. I have done everything to compete, but I have nothing right now. Don't you care? Why are you sitting down? Don't you care? Let me point you to something real simple. Because i got to look at this. Because maybe you're like me and some of these statements are kind of true. Don't you care about the life that just passed? Don't you care about what's going on in my life? I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. And you don't care. Let me tell you something real simple. God's care will never be seen while we compete for his attention and approval. You will never experience God's care. You will never experience the God that sits amongst us. Emmanuel, that's what we call him. God with us. God amongst us. As in John chapter 1, he pitched his tent amongst us, it says. And you will never experience that as you're out sacrificing and competing and doing what you got to do as the older brother did outside and as Mary was doing in the kitchen and working and going, i got to do this because this is my duty. You'll never experience the care while you're competing because he's sitting in the room and he's saying, come. See, verse 41, Jesus answers her and it's interesting what he says. He says, Martha, Martha, Jesus answered, you you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. This is a horrible translation, by the way. Because if you really look at how the Greek is set up, it literally says, you are worried and upset about many things, but there is only one, one needful thing. There's only one needful thing. See, there's a lot of things that are important, but there's only one thing that's really important. That's ultimately what it's all about. Mary has chosen what is better. Ouch. But I'm doing this, God. I mean, I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm, I'm giving, I'm, I'm striving, I'm working, I'm competing. And, and Jesus is like, no, 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 Mary's doing it. Mary's, the, she's just sitting at my feet. Isn't that completely antithetical to all of religion? 
Because religion says, you get up, you go, you do, you do, you do, you do. I'm at church. I'm doing this. I should be getting this. That's religion. I've put this into the bank of God, and now I expect a return. Religion. And Jesus says, Mary's doing what's best, sitting and doing nothing. What? (laughs) Martha's ticked. And a part of me, in my humanness, and I think we can all be there, are a little bit ticked too. Because the truth is, I want to do something for God. I want to compete because I'm a human doing, aren't I? We confuse ourselves a lot. We know we're human beings, but we, we've, we've become human doings. You don't believe me, go up to a man and ask him how he's doing. How, how are you? Oh, work's good. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. No, 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 no. How are you? Or you go to a, a, a woman or a mom. How are you? Well, my kids are like this and my kids. It's all about doing, isn't it? And we forgot that we just are. We're beings. And we've been invited to the living room where God's camped out. See, Jesus knows the truth here. And the truth is Mary got it right. She sat down with Jesus, who was already sitting. Jesus knows you're struggling. Jesus knows the situation at work and at home. And He does care. And that's why he's in Martha's home. But she's too busy competing. See, are you missing out on the joy that Jesus brings? Are you missing out on the joy that, 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 that Jesus has brought because you're too busy competing? There's a really easy self-test here if, if you want to figure this one out. Just look back at your week. I mean, if you want to close your eyes and just think about this, but look back at your week. Has there really been joy? Has there really been joy in your life? Now, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I got a job promotion. There was joy. I, 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 I mean, I, I found out what I'm getting for Christmas. Joy, happy, happy joy, joy. You know, I, I got a new car, joy. No, I'm not talking about that kind of joy. I'm talking about joy in the midst of, hey, Mary, you're pregnant. Oh, thanks. <laughs> joy in the midst of, and it's by God. And, oh, but, but, but God, that's great. But I had to go talk to people now. Joy in the midst of heartache, joy in the midst of suffering, joy in the midst of a broken world. And and that's the real test here. Has there been joy because you've been at his feet? See, in the midst of your family struggles and craziness, have you seen him care and continuing to work? In the midst of your lack of work or too much work, have you seen his care and continuing? In the midst of your lack of health or death that's going on around you, Have you seen his care? Or are you too busy trying to fix it all yourself to compete and control the situation? See, we need to know what Mary and the author of Hebrews knew in that moment. And my hope to you is that you would get this because I need to get this. I'll tell you right now, this job is stressful. This is a really stressful job. Uh, I was just talking to Jason recently and, and man, it's a stressful gig. And there's, I mean, the other day I woke up and I, I was awake for two hours in the middle. I used to sleep like a baby. Man, I mean, I woke up and my hand was in my mouth and I was just, oh, everything's great. Now, I don't sleep. I don't sleep. I'll wake up sometimes and be like, Lord, I'm awake. I don't know what to do. I'm really upset. I got to go do this. I got to go do that. I got to do this. You know, the biggest thing that's helped me is I go, Lord, I'm awake. And I'm not trying to brag here because believe me, this took a lot of time. And I still struggle with this every time I wake up because I wake up a lot. I look at my calendar, I look at the clock, and I go, God, I need to sleep. But the truth is, I'm here, you're here, you're in the room, I want to sit at your feet. And I just want to talk to you. I just want to give you my cares. I want to give you my concerns. I know you care. I know you care. I know you do. 
See, the author of Hebrews got this. If I were to point you to the last thing, joy comes with confidence. Confidence in Christ's presence. Therefore, he says in verse 19, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. By the way, you could not get into the most holy place unless you were the complete high priest. And even then, they would tie a rope on him. They would have bells around on the pomegranate so that when they stopped hearing that, they'd be like, oh, he's dead. (laughs) We need to pull him out now because he wasn't perfect enough to go see God. And there was no guarantee that when you got in there, you were going to see God because it was all up to how how the sacrifice, and I don't know, and did I compete, did I compete, did I compete? But the, the author here is saying something so profound, and I please get this. We have confidence. We know through the power of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, we know with utter assurity that we can go before God in the most holy of holies. That's huge because of the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. I love this. That thick curtain which was about eight inches thick. Eight inches of fabric. I don't even think the power team could rip that. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Back in the 80s and 90s there was big old Christian guys that were like wrestlers and they would rip phone books. Yeah, good luck on that curtain. And God, when Jesus died on that cross for once and for all for our sins, what did he do? He tore the curtain. Because he was trying to show that through Jesus, his body that was broken for you, you now have access to the King of Kings. You now have access to the Ancient of Days. The one that sits in your room. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. I'll ask you again. How's your joy? How's your joy? This is that missing piece that eludes us so much. But the good news is that it doesn't have to. In fact, we can be assured and confident when we stop competing and start sitting in the care of Jesus. Where today are you asking God, do you care? Because guaranteed this is where you need to sit. Do you have confidence and know that he's got you? See, I just want to give this chance. Maybe you have never fully put your confidence in Jesus. You've heard it. you felt it. And right now is that time that you're saying, I need to put my trust in this God that's unlike any other God. Lowercase g, this is the big God, the one that's fully capitalized because he is fully it. And he came. Because he cares. And I've blamed him for so long that I've forgotten that he's sitting right there. And he wants me to stop hustling and bustling and competing. And he wants me to sit at his feet. He cared so much for you and me that he came to this earth to sit in the midst of our lives. Will you let him care for you and bring true joy into your life? Or will you continue to compete? for something you can't earn and he's already trying to give you. I want you to do me a favor. Just close your eyes and bow your heads. I grew up in the church and I made a lot of dumb mistakes. And there were many times, maybe you're like me, where I was outside and I was working, doing what I needed to do. So much so that just like Martha, I would go to God and say, don't you care. It's time to do business with God. 
It's time to look at the Savior, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, who sits in your living room right now and says, stop competing. And know I've completed. I care. And I want to bring you joy. Joy like you've never had before. Will you let Him? Again, some of you might hear, maybe you've never accepted Jesus and, and what He's done on that cross as something that you can truly have confidence in. This is the time of all times. I mean, Advent is a call to pause. Pause! Take that time now. Do business with God. And that business is not, again, you competing more and you saying, okay, God, I'll clean myself up. No. I'll do this. No. It's just saying, you did it. And I just want to sit at your feet. I can't pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I can't do anything. I need what you've already done at the cross. Make me as white as snow. Take away my sins. It's that simple. Will you pray with me? Lord, we don't want to miss out on the joy that you bring. I pray right now that as we look to you, we would stop. Lord, there's many areas of our lives that I think we could all look at and say, man, I'm trying too hard here. I'm trying too hard there. I'm running, 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 and I'm getting tired. Lord, you said that yet your burden is light and your yoke is easy. But I don't feel it. Because when you you know my family, God. You, You know my work situation, God. You know that he knows. That's why he's sitting right there in your house. He's done. He's completed. And he says, come and sit. Will you give that to God? That's the striving. That's the struggling. Because it's not easy to give up. But what you're saying as a Christian is, God, you'll never give up on me. That's why you're in my house. I just pray I would trust you. Sit at your feet and know that you care. Lord, we thank you. We love you. And we just know that you have something big for us. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, Lord, they would stick around and we would talk. Yeah, we're going to go play some football and have a lot of fun. But you know what's better than football? The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. Jesus setting us free. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Now, as we bring the ushers on forward, we're going to we set a time, time this, this, this area of our service where we just, as, as members of this church, we just want to bring our offering. We don't give to God. We bring it. Again, he's, He doesn't need it. But as a church family, we want to be showing how thankful we are and cheerful we are. And it's ultimately just one more step of following Jesus. That's all we as a church family want to do. And our, our goal in this church is to have 70 families who are giving so that we can continue to give out. We can go and we can help. And we can do what God has called us to do with the last. We can do what God has called us to do with the least. And we can definitely reach out to those who are lost. Lord, we thank you for this offering. We thank you for the fact that you want to raise up disciples. You want to do big things in the lives of this world. It just amazes me that you're continuing to reach all people. Help us to be your hands and feet. 
with what we give and what we can just bring to, to you. We just want to use it as, as only you can use it. We thank you and in Jesus' name we say thank you and amen.